previously on Popping Collars. I think uh, an interesting question in my mind is, as we, uh, as we live with these people, will they continue to be, you know, to be that open? Will that just be a window in their life or will we know their life for a long time? There's a relationship mm-hmm. that you kind of have with this media in a way that you don't with things like TV or movies. Like, I don't have a relationship with Brad Pitt. Like, you know, I, I may like think about you. But I don't really. Welcome to episode 93 of Popping Callers, the podcast that lives at the intersection of religion and pop culture. I'm your host for today, Liz Easton, and I'm the canon to the ordinary for the Diocese of Nebraska. And today we have the whole band back together. It's the whole Popping Callers crew. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) The classic episode. It's a hostful. So we've got Betsy Gonzalez from Alexandria, Virginia. Betsy, what are you up to these days? Oh, man, Liz. We just had our first ever spirituality retreat. 13 kids signed up. They had no idea what they were signing up for, which (laughs) makes me feel like I've earned the trust of this community. And they had a great time. Uh, It was was really like a life-giving like 24 hours. Uh, that's awesome. That's all we could fit into our lives, but it was really great. I, I had a great time. That's wow. great. Cool. Yeah. Nice. And Ricardo Avila from Las Gatos, California, where the sun is still setting. The sun is still setting, Liz. I am at the, uh, where am I? St. Luke's where? Episcopal Church, where I believe I'm the rector. <laughs> oh, I forgot to say I'm at Episcopal High School. Where there we go. That's where we well, all are, everyone. That's where well, we are. I'm sorry, Ricardo. I think the latest thing that happened uh, with me is we had our blessing of the animals yesterday, which oh, yeah. I have managed to avoid or not have to do pretty much until yesterday. I think I blessed <laughs> two animals somewhere once, but... um it was a blast. It was a blast. There were like 30 dogs and 50 people and we had holy water. And I told them this goofy story from the internet about Adam and Eve's cat and dog. And, uh, and we read the <laughs> canticle of the sun and the moon from St. Francis. And we sang all things bright and beautiful. And uh, we're going to do it every year. And I think it's going to be even more fun. And you get to splash people and dogs with water. The dogs like were lapping the water as I splashed <laughs> them, which was cute. <laughs> so that's what's up. I love it. And finally, Greg Knight from Palm Beach, Florida. Greg, what is up? Hey, Liz. Uh, Not much. I am the director of children and youth ministries at the Church of Bethesda by the Sea in Palm Beach down here. Um, Oh, we do have something. We have a sneaky hurricane. It's it's fall in Florida. That's kind of what happens sometimes. You get get hurricanes that that tiptoe their way to your front door. So... That's where we are. I hate when hurricanes come without calling first. <laughs> I know, right? They just sneak up. Crash it's not really ours, <laughs> Wow. Well, our episode today is about wellness culture, the growing interest in an intentional cultivation of a healthy, 
and fulfilling life. So on the surface, wellness is a great thing, I think, for people to be pursuing. Every single major world religion, for example, espouses the benefits of some kind of mindfulness meditation. And tons of religious traditions uh, have a belief in the sanctity and the holiness of the human body. So this is ancient stuff that's important to pay attention to. But the contemporary pursuit of wellness is in, has, at least in my opinion, kind of a shadow side that seems worth examining. There's a whole industry attached to it. And for many people, wellness is just kind of a new upper class, upper middle class aspiration, kind of like the new dieting. And the reason I say that in part is because just recently Weight Watchers rebranded itself as wellness that works which to me was sort of like a peek behind the curtain of this economy, which sort of thrives on especially women's insecurity and an endless drive to manipulate our bodies for the sake of an unattainable cultural ideal. So I'm not trying to throw shade at all of the wonderful ways that we pursue a healthier lifestyle. And in fact, I'm pretty interested in nutrition and exercise, and I'm a very reluctant practitioner of centering prayer, but I'm also kind of skeptical of um, the economic factors behind all of this. So basically, I just wanted us to kind of explore this. Wellness today can mean all kinds of things, all the good things that I mentioned above about meditation and healthier lifestyles, but it also includes like master cleanses, fasting, essential oils, probiotics, very expensive yoga pants, every single workout imaginable. And it seems like our pursuit of this as a culture definitely has a spiritual dimension. So to start us off, my question for each of you is, have you ever tried out a wellness trend? And if so, what was it? And how did it work out for you? And what about you, Betsy? Do you want to get us started? I always get us started. Yeah, you do. Oh, I do. <laughs> <laughs> it's because your name is first alphabetically. It is. You're it the is. first person I see on the screen. That's part of <laughs> and that's why I pay extra to Google Hangouts. So, that- <laughs> <laughs> um, so yes, I have. I have uh, the wellness trend. I guess that I've tried. I have a couple, maybe. Um, like we we've been offering like morning boot camps here at work. So we have a whole wellness kind of thing going on here at work, trying to help us actually be healthier. Um, We had like a little clinic at the beginning of this year that did kind of our BMI and all, you know, test our cholesterol and all that, which was actually really wonderful and helpful. I think when we, we work, you know, as we've talked before here, reference the Friday night lights podcast that people who work at boarding schools are kind of all in people and you often wellness on your own regard can be really difficult to do because you live where you work and you're all in all the time. So, and you have a dining hall full of food that's geared towards teenage metabolisms. So the other trend that I've really tried is the, is the whole 30 and I've done that maybe three times. So it's, that's kind of a, I guess it is a nutritionally based thing that was, is kind of also about, it's an elimination diet. So it's also about figuring out anything that might cause inflammation in the body. So it isn't just eliminating sugar, which would then be like a paleo kind of thing, which it does have that element, 
but then it's also eliminating soy and legumes and dairy and things like that, all things that can kind of cause inflammation in the body. And then when you come off the whole 30, there's this, you know, additional whole 30 days that I kind of don't necessarily do that you would then slowly reintroduce foods to see if your body is having a reaction to them. What about you, Greg? You're in the midst of one right now. I think. I'm in the middle of one. I'm in week nine of P90X. What was oh the gosh. fitness routine? Um, and the reason I, so I started, this is the longest I've gone on it actually, which is crazy. But uh, the reason that I started is because I've got three pilgrimages coming up over the next three years uh, in 2019, 2020, and 2021. So um, wow. so I feel like I, I, I probably should be fit uh, for those because I'm going to be carrying backpacks all over Europe or wherever it is that we go. So, um, And uh, what what's fascinating about it is that you're right when you talk about this wellness kind of this shadow side of wellness, because I think that um, if you look at the manual for this stuff, there's this whole industry of like, and here's the P90X recovery drink. And here's the P90X dumbbells. And here's the P90X bands. There's this whole consumerism culture that's involved in it too. So it's not just that you're getting the workouts and you're going through the process. You're also like buying into this whole program. You know, Liz, I, one thing you probably know about me by now is that I am not a fashion follower. I paved my own road. So um, <laughs> all the, <laughs> which is actually probably a bad thing. But um, th- this wellness stuff, I mean, when you brought up the topic, all I could think of was Gwyneth, Gwyneth Paltrow and yep. the goop thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, as much as she calls me every day and tries to get me to join on, I'm not interested <laughs> In the year 2000, 2001, a long time ago, I also kind of like Betsy joined Weight Watchers and I met my goal weight. I actually made it down to my goal weight and I maintained it for six weeks, at which point you would get lifetime membership. And I had that for like almost a year and then just stuff happened. And and that well, actually going to seminary is what messed me up in 2007. Mm-hmm. I, I do remember feeling great about it and I was all over some of the products. I would buy the the little chocolate bars that were like two points or, and I would get the, um, Oh, there was some fruit thing you could get and the oatmeal. And so I would get all those products and apparently, so you say it's no longer called weight watchers at all. They just changed it to WW wellness that works. Huh? I think that's exactly, I mean, my conspiracy theory, which I don't think it's just mine is that there was a time when dieting was culturally acceptable saying that you were dieting. And it is no longer culturally acceptable, but there's still enormous cultural pressure to manipulate the size of our bodies. Mm-hmm. So rather than calling it a diet, they're calling it wellness that works, but it's the same thing. In terms of trends, I, d- I totally tried the essential oil thing. So if you got like an essential oil of lemon, it would be like one drop would be like the citrus or vitamin C of like 1000 lemons. No, it's like all, and, and it can be kind of dangerous because you actually can overdose on micronutrients, really? on on um, minerals and vitamins. So, like people who are just using them, like pe- like oregano will burn your skin. So, if you have an essential oil of oregano and you put it directly on your skin, it can burn you. Are these but chemicals or are they 
no, natural? No, they're natural. They're nat- They're totally natural. I still wear an get- essential oil perfume every day. You know, I was just explaining to kids because it was a part of this retreat. We did a healing service, right? So that sort of bodily activity, really t- talking to the kids about the ancientness of oil and and, you know, I love that psalm, you know, when oil runs upon the beard, like, mm-hmm. just, I love it. But, you know, that sort of when, you know, you're anointing someone's hands and their head and praying for them. And I don't know, it's just, it's cool. It's cool. Um, right. A lot of this stuff is totally ancient and has, mm-hmm. you know, religious and spiritual roots for sure. Um, and that's true about fasting. You know, I guess that that is part of what my concern is. Yes. Is that, I I actually believe that our bodies are very resilient and that they don't require a lot of messing around with. And I think that our bodies come in different sizes. So when something like fasting, for example, which has like ancient spiritual roots, it can be good for you in all kinds of ways, is used basically as a weight loss technique. Yeah. Yeah. But it's masquerading as something else. That that's the part that just makes me feel really part of this. I think that there's a spiritual dimension to all of these body improvement. I mean, I'm and improvements totally in air quotes. And I think part of it is like a restlessness about our ability to recognize that we are beloved and beautiful exactly the way we are. And another part is a resistance to our own mortality. I think as human beings, we, um, shame motivates us a lot. Mm-hmm. And, um, I, I don't, you know, I, I think proactive, Hey, let me be happy and healthy is good, but at least, I don't know, for me, I'll speak for me, for me and probably a few million people like me. Um, I think about my weight and what I eat like constantly. And it's like this low level thing. And I imagine it's, you know, tw- doubly hard for women who get those messages constantly too. Oh my gosh, there's a thin and fit guy. I'm fat. Oh my <laughs> gosh. I had a light meal. I ate less than I usually do. I did this at lunch today. It's like, well, that wasn't that much food and I feel full. Maybe I've lost weight or else. Oh, I feel so full. I'm so fat. You know, it's just everything like my t-shirts tight. I'm fat. My t-shirt's comfortable. Maybe I've lost weight. It's just constant. The, it does feel a little bit like a facade. Let's call it wellness. I think shame is still the underbelly. And I can see that if you've got the money and the time, that wellness can actually feel like a good thing. Yeah. I mean, I, I want to push back hard. <laughs> uh, you know, I, you know, we use wellness language here at school, wholeness and wellness of students as a way mm-hmm. to kind of say it isn't just about, you know, being physically well and fit or eating good things or that sort of thing. It's also about the amount of sleep that you get, the relationships that you're in. It's the amount of technology that you're consuming, you know, that, that when, when we talk about it, particularly when you're wanting to talk about being healthy, but not wanting to overemphasize food and body in a way that, because you know, that, you know, especially teen girls and teen boys too, are susceptible to to developing some really harmful eating disorders and that sort of thing. So it does become a way to talk about some of it without it just feeling like you're solely dwelling on diet, that that's not and, and physical fitness. And that's not the only thing that we're talking about, but we're also talking about physical fitness as a way to deal with stress. You know, mm-hmm. so we're trying to really connect pieces. So I think that, 
I think there's the consumer side of things. But then I think if you are looking at institutions, like they're really trying to embrace this and yeah. on a wider scale, we're trying to have our health center be not just a place that you go when you're sick. Like when we talk about and imagine what a new health center, health and wellness center is what we're calling it in our, you know, fictional building construction mind that it would be a place that you could also, you could go to if you weren't feeling well, but that you could also go for all of these other resources and, and then it kind of moves the fact that the counseling center is there, that that's going and seeking counseling and going and talking to somebody, that that's a part of this kind of wellness umbrella and destigmatizing that and talking about mental illness and being, you know, so I think it, I think it can be live in the consumer realm and definitely trying to sell you that P90X shake or, or that, you know, you know, seven day cleanse that costs $150 or whatever it is. But that you also can can if your if your church or your institution or your diocese really wants to try to look at that, I think there are some pretty good professionals out there who can help kind of structure something that that makes sense and really tries to embrace the wellness aspect. So I know people who teach at like private Catholic high schools, or you know, I'm near Palo Alto, and there was a like five years ago or so, there was a whole spate of suicides among teenagers in Palo Alto and it was an epidemic and there were city council meetings. And a lot of that was about the academic rigor that's being foisted on these kids to succeed and they're not sleeping and they're stressed and anxious and unhappy. And um, to me, there's a, a difference. Like you get to have them and help them be healthy when you have them in a community like where you are, Betsy. But um, I mean, I don't know what the difference is. I don't know how you how you guys do with teaching at your school. But it just breaks my heart to think these kids feel like they're not enough. They're not good enough, and they get it from parents and they get it from culture. I mean, from grade school, you're thinking about what university if you're going to get into an Ivy League school. You know, I deeply believe like those identity questions I talked about before. We're all asking those. It is not about just what age we are. We're all asking those, which means that our adult community too is feeling the exact same stuff I think that the kids are. A pressure to succeed, not being deserving enough, not being smart enough, being an imposter, all of that, not being, you know, and then not being thin enough and not being fit enough and da-da-da. And look at that mom's arms over in the Starbucks line and my arms don't look like that. And, you know, all all that comparative (laughs) stuff. Right, I think that we're all dealing with that. And as adults, we have a different capacity to... Mm -hmm. Yeah, I cope with it, I guess, to various levels of success, but we all have it. And I guess, so I guess my concern about like the, the way that this, like the wellness or health stuff is talked about in the popular culture is that it becomes yet one more achievement. Mm-hmm. So the mom with the great arms, right. you don't know that she's killing herself in the gym right. and starving herself. You know, every day because we're not, you know, we don't talk about the, the, the mask, you know, is all encompassing and that looking fit and looking well is yet another thing that we have to achieve when in reality, our bodies all look different. It strikes me that when we've been talking about this wellness stuff, we've been talking about things that you can consume, things that you can buy, things that you can take advantage of, like things at your school, uh, Betsy, which is boarding school, which isn't free, right? Like there's a, there's a whole aspect of wellness that's sort of, that is inherently privileged in the way that you approach it. And, and that is privileged in the terms that you can afford it. 
Like I remember going through um, uh, the discernment process uh, for ordination back in North Carolina, and I was told by one of the COM members, like, in order to be in this process, you have to have a spiritual director. And I couldn't afford a spiritual director. And I was like, I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, you're saying these words and I don't even like, I can't fathom how I would figure out a way to be able to pay somebody to talk to them about my spiritual well-being. Like I, that's not even something that can happen. And I think that a lot of people are in that situation of like, you know, whether it's living in food deserts or whether it's, you know, you don't have the resources that allow you to talk to a therapist or to to go to meetings or something like that. Like there's this, there's this other side that sort of keeps people unwell if they can't afford. Like I'm looking at this goop website and <laughs> all my stuff comes up. It's so funny. I'm like, Oh, this is such a, that's like what you're saying, Greg. It's, this is a way to get money off of people who have money to spare and <sighs> don't know how to channel it to make themselves feel like their lives are more fulfilling or better. And I think two things can be true, too. I think that, like, you can, you know, be a runner, like, you know, one of these marathon people, like, or half marathon people or whatever, and do it because you enjoy it. And you can be a runner and do it because you're addicted. And you can be a runner and do it because you're sad, you know, and or angry or whatever. Like, you know, I think all of that can be true. Right. Right. I think the problem with our culture is that we privilege one set of bad behaviors over another like over <laughs> over exercise could be really bad for you yeah. Yeah. restricting I, your food could be really bad for you so i'm actually healthy <laughs> <laughs> by not over exercising i think that health is really holistic i think too when we talk about bodies whenever we talk about bodies we're also talking about christ's body right i've been talking with my students as we've been evaluating different uh, sacred spaces to kind of see what the stories are and the values are expressed in the spaces. How is it reflective of the actions? So we've been talking some about whether or not Christ's body is on the cross or not. Mm-hmm. Um, is the body, is it, is it kind of bloodied? Is it, is it beat up or is it like super buff or is it like risen Christ? Who's like in a crown and a robe, but on a cross. Uh, and it reminds me like this conversation is reminding me of those, those cartoons of like the super buff muscular Jesus. Who's like, mm-hmm. so strong. He like breaks the cross off. Yeah, and he's, I'm like, you can go find these things <laughs> online. Like, but that we do, we wrap up a lot of things in Jesus body that there are, there's so much, you know, everywhere from bodies, the temple to healing bodies, to making bodies whole that are broken his own broken body. Right. Right. Because we, we have got that. Like our core belief is that God became a human being to right. dwell with us. And that means that God um, had like these, this messy, weird body that we all have. It means that God went through puberty. It means that, you maybe, know, maybe they were stress eating. Maybe there's maybe. Stress- <laughs> all kinds of things. I mean, the, right. God, the, the, the glory and the mess of the incarnation is that God chose to inhabit a human body, which says something about the beauty and the brokenness of our human bodies. Drinks after work, our friends left us alone. Must have been a tough week, we let the tap flow. What happened next? I really.
final segment today is our staff pick section where somebody tells us a thing to pay attention to. And today the person telling us that thing is Betsy. <laughs> Betsy, what's your staff pick? Great. So my recommendation is a podcast and it's called Getting Curious with Jonathan Van Ness. And you oh. may know JVN as his handle is on Insta. Uh, from his work on Queer Eye on Netflix. And he is the long haired. I mean, if we want to talk about who could play Jesus in a current movie, yeah. <laughs> that would be a pretty strong contender for a buff Jesus. But, um, but so he's the hair guy and kind of the body self care guy. And, and he's been doing this podcast since before Queer Eye aired. And it was essentially the premises. He's curious about something. He wants to pull on a super like bookish, knowledgeable expert. Like I initially got into it because I have one of my things I'm fascinated with is the Romanoffs. And so he did an episode on kind of what happened to the Romanoffs and kind of how they identified the remains and all this kind of stuff. And so it's a great this story. Is great. And you know, that element of going from being, you know, Jonathan with who's, who, who's, you know, so personable and so big to having him sit down and talk with professors and experts is is quite the contrast and i love the way like some of the some of the titles that i think are really funny uh there was one on i listened to it was on saudi arabia is saudi arabia cute now which sounds just <laughs> like what jonathan would kind of say you know with gender bias and film store scoring what's her story like i i love the way he actually the way he uses pronouns all over the place in different ways i think is is interesting and the way he plays with language is engaging. And so you stay tuned. It is interesting when you like, there's one on the Armenian genocide that's fascinating, but he's dealing with a really big topic and the shows are only 30 minutes. And so he's having to kind of wrangle sometimes these super intellectual dudes and gals who might not normally do podcasts to kind of (laughs) answers in there and it's 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 good it's 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 tough work but he does a great job and so i really want to recommend it there aren't a ton of them they're pretty easy listens and um and i recommend it i'm downloading it right now here we go i'm subscribing to subscribe so i mean he'll go off on anything just anything that crosses his mind anything he's curious about has interest in, and then the later episodes. If you'd like to hear some sit downs with his queer eye colleagues, each of oh, them awesome. has an episode. Which, you know, as a fan of the show, I also really wow. like too. This is awesome. Thank you. Nice. Yeah, of course. Wow. Good job, Betsy. Thanks. Welcome. <laughs> Well, that was episode 93 of Pop and Callers. Thank you for listening. You can find our podcast anywhere you listen to your podcast, such as Apple Podcasts and Stitcher and things of that nature. You can also find us on EpiscopalCafe.com where we are linked up in a little community of other terrific Episcopal podcasts. Um, check us out there. You will love Episcopal Cafe for all of your Episcopal news and opinion needs. You can find us at poppycallerspodcast.com. And when you subscribe to us on these things, please remember to rate and review um, so that other people can find us too. Thank you, Greg. (laughs) Thank you, Ricardo. Thank you, Betsy, for being on this episode of Poppy Callers Podcast. Keep those calls (laughs) off.